are starting a new series called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And uh, as Marquise was talking about, you can buy uh, books at the counter for $15. Actually, we only have two books left, but I ordered more so you can prepay for those. Um, we actually won't start the book until next week. This is more of a an intro, um, but, uh, but uh, we'd love to have you join us. And there's a, also a sign-up sheet, so if there's a night that you want to be in a small group, uh, we'd love to have you join us for small groups. And then also for the men, uh, that Tuesday night group will be going through that book. And so um, uh, this Tuesday is more of just kind of getting together. I'm going to share my heart about what I want to see in men's ministry and why we're doing that. And, um, and uh, Michael doesn't know this yet, but he's going to share some words as well. So uh, about just the importance of uh, men needing community, uh, because for as men, again, I don't know if you're like me, you know, but um, it's easy to get isolated and it's easy to put on a veneer as though we don't need anybody, but we really, really do. And so um, uh, I'm excited about that. But uh, anyway, so uh, this morning, what I wanted to do was, the, the, the book is called, uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, It's Time to Win the Battle of Your Mind. And I wanted to talk a little bit about our minds this morning. Um, uh, for many of you know this, but my son uh, has epilepsy. And so we found that out at age eight. And um, from that time, I have just been always, I've just been fascinated with the, with the mind. So if you look in my, uh, my audio book list, you will find uh, uh, three things. You will find um, uh, brain books, like all, things about the brain, and you will find uh, business books, because I love business, uh, and then you will find assassin books. But don't worry about the assassin part. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's fiction. It's not a how-to guide, okay? So... Um, but I've been fascinated with the, with the brain, and uh, I just put this up here because our, our minds are so incredibly rich and incredible. I mean, again, I am going to totally geek out this morning, okay? But you can see me. Like your brain, think about that. Your brain right now is taking in all the imagery. You know kind of what this is. You recognize this right when I put it up. You went, that's a brain, even though that isn't, it's not multicolored <laughs> typically. Um, but you, you knew that was a brain. All the while, I'm up here. You know I'm the pastor. You probably know my name. We're, you know we're going to be talking about the word. You can probably read. Like all these things, our brain is just this mush of electricity and water and biology and chemistry. And it's all firing all at the same time. And like we can remember things, which is so amazing. Our brains are just incredible. And so... My son, uh, he had uh, brain surgery, actually. And so they went into this part of his brain, the temporal lobe. That's where the epilepsy is. And they, I mean, again, they scooped out part of his brain to be like as basic as I can. They cut this scar. He has a scar on his head that starts here and it goes all the way around, all the way around just above his ear. And they pulled his skull out and they went in there and they took out part of his brain and then he got you know it was a huge surgery and then when he got out it was like yeah I mean the, it really helped the seizures a, t a, ton, a ton a lot but but the brain just kept going on from there 
if you take out part of your engine in your car, it ain't, it ain't going to keep going, right? But they took out part of his brain. He, he's so funny. He wanted to keep it, the, the part of the brain, because he was, he was like 15 at the time, right? And uh, I'll tell you one other quick thing. This has nothing to do with the Bible, but uh, when he had gotten his, uh, sur- after his surgery, you know, he had this, he had staples in his head. They went all the way around. So he goes to school, goes to high school, and he has a beanie on his head. And uh, there he's walking down the hall, and the teacher says, hey, young man, uh, you need to take that hat off. No hats at school. And he was just like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And he pulls it off, and the teacher goes, you can put it back on. You can put it back on. <laughs> I love that kid, man. It was just, he was just, I don't know, he probably gets it from his mom or something. I don't know where he gets that. But he's always joking around. But, but if you think about it, like, I'm, you know, there's me up here. I got, you know, two arms, two legs, praise God, and, you know, I, I, here I am. But I'm really my thoughts. Like, I'm, I'm really kind of my thoughts, my memories, my emotions. Like, all of those things come from my brain. And I'm just letting you know now, your pastor has two brains, the brain that knows the word of God and is a, tries to be a man of God, and then the other brain, right? So, like, this book is based on the 23rd Psalm. So if you say to me, even though I, I would say, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies, uh, my cup overflows, right? right? You've anointed my head with oil. If you don't say, even though I walk through the valley, if you say, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone, right? I've got, I've got David and I've got Coolio. All swimming all up in here, right? One, you're proud of your pastor. He knows the Bible. The other one, you're like, bro, what is going on with you, right? But you have two brains, don't you? You know the truth on the one hand, and then you have issues on the other. And they go back and forth all the time. If you have young kids, on the one hand, oh, my goodness, you die for those kids. On the other hand, you're looking up, how long is a prison sentence? And how do you bury a body, right? <laughs> two, two brains. You know this. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then you go, oh, I got that meeting tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to make it through. I don't know. They're laying people off. I don't know. If I, how am I going to do it? Right? Two, two brains. You have two brains. Hebrews says, it is for discipline you endure. God deals with us as sons. What son is there whose father does not discipline, right? Oh, my life is so hard. Well, which one is it? The the problem is, and what we're going to be talking about in the next six weeks, is that we have these two brains. And the brain that brings us anxiety, that brings us outrage, that brings us uh, sadness and, and, and questioning and all those kinds of things really is the same brain as the other. It's just that we have created these pathways, these ways of thinking that, that we have forged out in our brain. And just like my son, where we took out part of his temporal lobe 
Uh, they didn't allow him to keep it, by the way. Just I wanted to clear all that up. It's not at my house. Uh, just like that, we can create new pathways in our mind so that when we have issues, when our circumstances change, when we get into trouble, we go to the brain with the right pathways. Now, let me just say this. I didn't write it down. I actually don't really have a point written down this morning because the, the scripture we're going to go through is just so clear. It's like it's its own point. Uh, but um, God wants you to, the, the only way you get those faulty pathways handled is through truth. Now, some of your pathways were not even placed there by you. You have a family of origin, maybe, that said you're dumb, right? Or you are lazy, or you're clumsy, or whatever it is. And those pathways, as you were growing up, were put in there. Sometimes it might be uh, the school you went to. And in elementary school, they always called you something. Maybe it had to do with your body, or some, some part of you, or whatever. And that got into a pathway into your brain. The way you're going to fix that is through the truth. And the only truth I know that is worthwhile is the Word of God. And so we're going to be talking about this over the next six weeks. We're also going to be talking about this idea that there's someone else who is a stone-cold killer that wants to speak into your mind, wants to give you doubt, wants to give you anxiety, wants to take away your peace, wants to lie to you. Do you know that some of you, myself included, just so we're clear, I have pathways in my mind that are forged there that are out and out lies. They're lies. And they need to be healed. They need to be taken out. They need to be removed. And they need to be replaced with the truth. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Because... You have an enemy, the devil. Yes, I believe in the devil. I, I, I do believe there's an actual devil. I don't think he visits you because he's not omnipresent. So it would mean that if he's visiting you, um, not that you're not important, uh, but he's probably busy with somebody else. But he has affected our culture. He has affected our systems. He knows us very well. And not only do I believe in, in the devil or Satan, I believe in demons too. And I believe in angels. I believe in all that stuff, right? And so he, it's just a complex system that I'll never understand, okay? Even after seminary, I don't understand it, right? And I paid a lot of money to go to seminary. And I still don't understand how it all works. But I do know this, that whatever the word of God says is true. And he is a stone cold killer. And however he does it, whether it's personally through demons or through culture, he is lying to you. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a lie. It, the Bible says when he speaks his native tongue, right, it's a lie. And so you have that going against you. You have what we call our flesh, just our brokenness. We lie to ourselves, don't we? Come on, don't we? I know I do. I lie to myself. Oh, it'll be, it'll be fine. That's just a little thing, and it, it, it'll be okay. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It'll be fine. That's a lie. I'm lying to myself, right? We lie to each other. We, we, our, our culture has this thing that we somehow can take care of our own lives, that we're in control. <laughs> That's a lie, right? But some of us, our anxiety, me personally, I'm a perfectionist. There's a lie that you can even be a perfectionist. 
All right, if we get done with this whole sermon and you come up to me and you say, Pastor, I listened to the sermon. I just want you to know that was a C minus. I promise you I'll look right back at you and go, it was a D minus. Okay, here's where I messed up. Bap, 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 right? That's just the way it is. It's a lie. They're, they're all A's, actually. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right, forget that. Okay, so Romans 12. Uh, Romans is such a cool book. If you want to read a great book in the Bible, it's actually a letter to a church in Rome. Read Romans. It's super heady, so like it, you just kind of have to slow down. Like it, it's like a, every section of verses is like a full seven-course meal. You could like literally just spend all day on one verse. And so we're going to go through just one verse uh, out of Romans because it's so rich and it sets us up so well for what's coming in the next six weeks. He says this to the church in Rome. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Our culture has a pattern, uh, especially in the United States. Individualism, consumerism, right? Our, our personal rights. I mean, if, we, if something goes wrong with one of us where we don't get what we deserve, it's about like the world's about to end, right? That's a pattern that the world has. And I, I've said this before. I think I stole it from another pastor. I can't remember. But it, I love the concept that culture has a current. It's like a, it's like a river, and it's, it's going in a certain direction. And, and, and now when you look, you know, obviously with the news and all those things, you know, it doesn't take very long to realize the current, the culture that is going now is not great at all, right? And, and the idea is that if you just sit in that current of culture and you relax and you lift your feet up, culture will take you to a place you do not want to go. That on that river, it's a waterfall. And so if you don't fight that current... If you don't fight against what they're saying about your mind and who you are and where you get your value and where you get your identity, do not conform to that. Because your identity will be in things that if you lift up your feet, the current of culture will take you to destruction. This is exactly what Paul is saying. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, the great thing is uh, when we think about our brains and we think, oh, man, you know, my brain actually is conformed to the pattern of this world. I do have a lot of anxiety. I do have a lot of outrage. Like, is there another culture I can join or something I can do so that I'm not, I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be outraged all the time. I'm a part of our culture, it literally lives <laughs> to outrage each other. Right? I could just say one word, and half of you will get upset at me. Okay. I'm not going to say his name. All right. See, half of you are like, oh, I know who it was. It was the other half, right? Okay. Because you know, do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now watch, here's the key. This is the key. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is a great physician. And that physician can do great, great brain surgery. Where he opens up your little cranium and he goes, that is wrong in there. I'm going to take a little scalpel and take that out. You are transformed. This Greek word is where we get our word metamorphosis from. You're going to be renewed. You're going to be, instead of a little 
inchworm, you become a butterfly. I don't, I don't know what becomes a butterfly. I failed all that. Be transformed to be something completely different by the renewing of your mind. Now, how do we do that? Well, there's several ways we do it, and we'll be talking about them in the next few weeks. But first and foremost, right out the gate, if you don't hear anything else, it is by the Word of God. It is reading the Word of God, digesting the Word of God, standing firm on the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, and you begin to be transformed. We don't have time, but if I went around this room, because I know most of you, and I asked you to share your story, and you would talk about how your life was transformed, and you know what you would add in there? Oh, man, I was saved by grace through faith in what Christ did on the cross, and the Word of God changed my life. I began to apply it. The people I know who are most like Jesus Follow the word of God. Follow the Bible. And there are some confusing things in the Bible. I understand that. But this is how we're transformed, by the renewing of our mind. And watch what it says. This is so fantastic because when you say do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, you think to yourself, well, which, which parts and how do I know? Like, you know, there are some things about our culture that are really good. I mean, I, I, you know, we joke around about boomers and millennials and all that kind of stuff and all that. But there are some really great things that these this next generations that are coming, they've got some really great things to offer us, right? Uh, offer the boomers. Gen X, we're fine. Wah! Okay, right? That's, uh, you just deal with that. But, uh, but these kids, right? So there are some good things. Well, how do you know? Watch. By tra transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. In other words, you take culture, and then you take the word of God, and you go, okay, wherever they match up, that's where I'm going. Wherever they don't match up, I'm not, I'm not engaging. Because when you lift your feet up, the current of culture will take you to a place you do not want to go. Some of you have... Issues with all sorts of different things. Culture has no problem, on the one hand, objectifying women or objectifying men through pornography and all these things. And on the other hand says, hey, we really need to respect everyone. You're like, which is it? Oh, it's very simple. You just be able to test and approve what the will of God is. Culture says, hey, everything's great. We're, 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 we're becoming smarter. And yet now we're more addicted than we've ever, ever been. Like, what's going on? We do not conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is. You say, why, why would I care about that? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What he has for you is good. What he has for you is good. It's not necessarily easy. Following Jesus is not easy. When you read the word of God and it tells you to do something and you don't want to do it, like forgive, you're like, ah. And culture says you have your rights and how dare they and you should cancel them and you should forget them and you can do all that. And you say, oh man. And the Lord says, if you follow my will and you do forgive, it's going to be good for you. We know that. Putting aside bitterness, putting aside coveting, the word of God says that we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. So why are we searching for something from culture? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Now, what ends up happening is uh, we get these thoughts in our mind, and there are certain things the Bible tells us that we can do with those thoughts. We can either nurse them and cherish them, or we can put them under a microscope. We can test them. Listen to what he says to this church in Corinth. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension, anything that sets itself, uh, uh, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Look at these words, demolish. <laughs> we demolish them. We go, you know what? That's not, that's not from God. I can't toy with that thought anymore. I can't play around with that. I don't know if this is how it works with you, but this is how it works for me, okay? This is how I know I, there's an issue in my life. When I'm talking to somebody who isn't in the room. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you have a full-on conversation, and, and you're putting their word, like you're speaking for them, right? Am I the only, am I the only one who, who's not going to heaven? What? So it's like, it's like you'll be sitting there, and this is how it would go with me. I, I don't necessarily have a boss right now, um, but when I did have a boss, uh, I would sit and I'd go, you know, the boss would tell me something, and then I'd be driving on my way home. Oh, man. You know what? Let me tell you something, buddy. Right? I don't, you can't talk to me like that. What, you think just because you, you make more money than me, you just tell me what to, you could do? Who, is he in the back seat? Like, where is he? He's on his way home. He don't care. He's just like, do, do, do. And then, I, and, then I, and then I put his words in. Oh, I know exactly what he'd say to me. And then isn't it true that when you get done with that conversation, you win, they lose. And not only do they lose, but they're shamed. And everyone was watching the whole thing go down. That's how I know. I got to take that thought and I got to demolish that thing. You know what happens to pastors? This is what happens to pastors all the time. For some reason, for pastors, the size of your church is like a big deal. And so you'll begin to get value based on how big your church is, right? Do you know that's from the enemy? <laughs> that needs to be demolished. Your value as a pastor has nothing to do with that. Your value as a pastor has to do with how, how, your call, like how much you're obeying what he's having you do with that particular flock, the flock that's in your care, not some imaginary flock that's down the street or whatever. Like that's, a, that's the thing. Moms, you have this thing that you think of the perfect mom exists, which they don't. And you think the perfect wife or the perfect husband or the perfect kids exist. I mean, they, they can come close. I mean, I have three of them. Two, two out of three ain't bad. But, uh, right? And so you, you, you have this thing in the enemy or a culture or somebody says to you, oh, that's so sad. You, you don't, you don't, oh, that's so sad. You raised your voice at the kids. You got to demolish that stuff. That's not your heavenly father talking to you. Men, your value isn't how much money you make. Your value isn't based on some arbitrary thing that all of a sudden we say like that person's more manly than that person or that person has more value than that person. You got to demolish those things. We demolish arguments in every pre uh 
tension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. I told you earlier, I, I, listen, I, li I listen to Assassin book. It is, anyway, it is what it is, okay? Uh, but they'll have these scenes where, you know, the, 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 the good guy gets the bad guy and he, he, he has to torture him to get the money, you know, to find out where the bomb is or whatever, all this stuff. I know none of you are coming back next week. I, I understand that, but I'm going to be as honest as possible. But that's how I picture it. A thought comes into my head, and I grab it, and I go, where did you come from? What are you, what are you doing here? What, what, what's your intent? Why are, why are you in my mind right now? Right? What, what, where are you trying to lead me? If it's from the Lord, then I'm just, oh, okay, so go by. But that's, that's the idea. You take it captive, this thought. Some of us have thoughts in our minds that we've had since we were little kids, and you've never taken it captive. You've never questioned it. You've just said that's the truth, and it's a lie. He says, you just take it. You demolish these stupid arguments, and then you take this thought captive and go, where, where are you coming from? Is that, is that coming from an insecurity of mine? I think it is. I think it's an insecurity. I'm going to get out of here. Right? You take it captive. You torture it. You say, that's awfully strong. Well, keep reading. To make it obedient to Christ. You're forcing that thought to conform rather than letting it conform you. Because you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of that takes time and it takes intention to, to wreck these uh, strongholds in our lives. I want to just touch on a couple more sections of Scripture. We're kind of bouncing all around, but that's kind of what we do in an intro uh, sermon is just to set the, set the table. Uh, no pun intended, but we set the table. Uh, he says this, in your anger, do not sin, okay? So you've got this idea that like anger, all anger is bad. No, 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 not all anger is bad. There's social justice things that you should be absolutely upset about. But he says along those same lines that he would say to the Corinthian church, you can have that anger, but in it, don't sin. Take it captive. Realize, well, what's going on? What is holy anger and what is just me being angry because I'm not getting my way, right? So he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun uh, go down while you are still angry. And then he says this incredible thing that goes right along with do not give the enemy a seat at your table, he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. This idea of a foothold is like, you know, I don't know if you ever saw the uh, rock climbing movie Free Solo, right? Where he, he climbs up uh, Yosemite, like Half Dome, without a, a rope. Ah, just even just thinking about it, I'm like so tense, right? But he, he, will, he will be able to take one little finger and hang his whole body on the side of a rock. The word of God says, don't, don't, give your don't give the enemy one little inch. Don't give him any time. Don't, when that thought comes in, you take it captive. If, you, if you're being angry about something, be angry, but do not sin, right? Just don't let him get a foothold. Don't let him get an inch. We're going to, um, yeah, let's read this section of scripture too. Sorry, like I said, I... I was uh, 2 Corinthians, but we all with unveiled face beholding as a, in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. 
This is the goal of the next six weeks, that we take control of what's happening here, that we examine it, we demolish arguments, we take every thought captive and force it to be obedient to Christ. And in the process, we are being transformed in the same image as Jesus. As the worship band comes back up, I just want to give you what this looks like, a bunch of different little examples. These are truths that will fix your brain. I am created in God's image. I have value regardless of my past. He loves me and wants my best. That is an example of what renewing your mind looks like. Some of you, you're trying to get your value out of something that you have no business trying to get your value out of. Some of you have giving yourself less value because of things that you might have done in your 20s, in your teens, or whatever. Here's another one. I do not need to escape or medicate. I can face any circumstance with God. He has equipped me for anything. That is the truth of God being spoken over you. Here's another one. My peace is not based on my bank account. Everything I have comes from God. I have everything I need. I should have put already, because you do. Here's one. People are frustrating. It's the truth, okay? I will never go through more than Jesus did. He will guide me in every relationship. Like, so when someone wrongs you, you go, oh, yeah, that's it. That's what we do to each other, but I don't need to sit and dwell on it. I'll leave you with this one last verse that I, I love so much that gives us an idea. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything excellent of any excellence or anything worthy of praise, dwell, sit simmer, meditate, just hang with those thoughts, hang with those thoughts. And that's what we'll be talking about over the next six weeks. We're going to end with a, a song here. And while we do that, we, uh, we do a bunch of different things during that time. One is uh, we fill out our connection cards and we, we try to have everybody fill out a connection card every week. And if you could do that for us, it would be so helpful. Uh, it, it just lets us know that you were here and then we put it all into a big database and it just helps us go after those who might not have been here for a little while so they're not isolated. And many of you have gotten a note from me or whatever. Um, just that's, that's why we can do that. Uh, we can follow up with people is because uh, you guys, uh, it's an act of worship to do that. So you can do that uh, with the connection card that's in the seat in front of you. If you're watching online uh, or you're in the app, um, when we end the service, you can just go into that app and click connect and fill out your connection card there. Um, if you give to the church, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, we, we always encourage people to give to God. And so if you prepare an offering, you take your connection card and that offering, and that goes in a box in the back. Um, but we, we open the altar to pray if you want. We have people at the cross, uh, right in front of the cross there, that'll be praying if you have something specific you want prayer for. Um, but this is just our time to take a deep breath and to connect with, uh, 
what we've heard from the scripture. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for uh, the fact that you want full control of our brains. Lord, we offer them to you. We offer our thoughts, our desires, our emotions. Everything about us that makes us us, we give to you. Have your way. Go ahead and stand for the blessing. Thank you guys for putting up with me. Appreciate it. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His peace and His joy and in His truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and I hope we see you next week.